0: Welcome to the News Sessions from Mishkondorea, hosted by Paddy O'Connell. A conversation on key legal matters that affect you, your business and your life. News Sessions podcast with Paddy O'Connell.
1: Hello and welcome to a brand new conversation helping spot the road bumps for you and your business. It's the News Sessions. I'm Paddy O'Connell. Today we're talking about one of the biggest changes to the way our data is stored, perhaps since the birth of the internet. These changes are going to be discussed by two expert witnesses from the law firm Mishkondorea. They are the legal director Nina O'Sullivan. Hello Nina. And data protection advisor John Baines. Hello, John. Nina, first of all, before we get into the nitty gritty, Everyone you know has been talking about how their data has been flogged by Facebook. They're worried about what the people know about them. It's never, seemed, never been hotter, this subject.
0: No, data protection is very much in the news at the moment, and individuals are clearly showing that they have concerns uh, about what's happening to their data, um, and levels of trust in, in relation to what organisations are doing with their data is really quite low at the moment.
1: Trust, trust is down. Data seems to be flogged all over the place. I mean, John, you're a professional in this field. But do you change the way you do things as a result of all the news we've been hearing?
2: I certainly do. Um, I I think it's interesting as well, Paddy, that you said um, uh, about this being the biggest change since uh, the Internet came in. I think it's important to realize that this is always a changing landscape that we're working against. So data protection law has been around for decades. But the last Data Protection Act in the UK was in 1998. Right. Since then, we've seen such a massive change in how much of our personal information is out there in the digital sphere. I
1: mean, you think of 98, that's pre-smartphone, that's pre-the millennium bug, that's pre-Facebook, pre-Twitter. Nina, what is the change we're talking about, GDP? P-R.
0: Okay, so GDPR stands for the General Data Protection Regulation, um, and it's an EU-wide overhaul of data protection rules, uh, and it will apply across the EU, and that includes the UK, uh, from the 25th of May this year. Um, and what it seeks to do is to readdress the balance between individuals and their rights, um, and also ensure that organisations are properly respecting those rights. Um, As John just said, we've had a data protection law for some time uh, in the UK, um, but I think it's fair to say that at best, compliance with the existing regime has been patchy.
1: We could compare this to, we used to sell cars with seatbelts in, but you didn't have to wear them. Then the law said it's compulsory to wear a seatbelt. We could say this is buckle-up time for every business of a certain size, John.
2: I I think that's right. I think in, in many ways... The GDPR is only a, a restatement of existing principles, but it's got a kind of fist behind it yeah, now. I mean, that, so that's
1: reassuring, because we've been telling everyone it's big, so we'll get to the nitty-gritty. But first of all, can I ask you if, who's not covered? I'm a small firm uh, f- selling information in to 30 clients. I've only got 30 employees uh, am I covered? Yes. I need to. I need to sit up and pay attention. Yes. Uh, Brexit's coming, John. This it, is an EU bit of old shizzle. I don't have to worry about it because we're leaving.
2: Uh, if only. Um, but no. The, the the government has made clear that um, regardless of Brexit, the UK will comply with the GDPR, and indeed we will have to in order to continue to trade with the European Union. All right, media. I've got
1: another get out for you, Nina. I'm an American, fan. I'm, listening, I'm jogging in Santa Fe listening to this. Yes. I'm saying push off silly British lawyers with your advice. I'm American, go away.
0: Yep, so um, GDPR has really quite a broad reach. Um, So it covers any business in the EU that is processing data uh, of individuals, and that could be individuals within the EU or outside the EU. Um, But it also extends to non-EU businesses uh, where they are processing data of EU individuals. So yes, it would cover your business uh, running down the beach. My
1: word. So uh, Brexit doesn't get me out. Being a small firm doesn't get me out. Being an American annoying hipster jogging in California doesn't get me out. Basically speaking, sit up, buckle up. Here we go. So first of all, let me ask you about what businesses need to have been doing already, John. What have you been doing? What should all firms have done by now?
2: One of the key things that all businesses need to have done, and if they haven't, they still need to be doing, is start thinking about what information they hold, where it is, why they're holding it, who's got responsibility within the business for it. The Information Commissioner's Office regulates data protection law including the GDPR and they've produced some very good guidance for all businesses including small businesses Uh, they they have a a document on their website called 12 Steps. And And that's
1: just the ICO. If you're thinking about Googling as John's talking, look for ICO. So think about the data I've got. Now, if I've got data on clients who I haven't done work with, say, for three years, shall I just dump it now? If I haven't really had access to this client for three years, why don't I make life easier for myself and say, actually, you know what? If I haven't spoken to you, dear client, for more than three years, you're not a very good customer. I'm going to dump all your information now.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the principles under GDPR is that data should not be kept for any longer than is necessary. Uh, So it's really important as a business you think about how long you're holding data for. Um, And in that scenario, I'd suggest that it probably isn't a good idea to to keep that data. Uh, If that customer wants to get back in touch with you, they they can do. And at that point, they can give you the necessary personal data. Um, I mean, I'm sure at some point we'll come on to talk about um, what you can do in respect of direct marketing and contacting individual's. But there's been some really interesting stories in in recent months. So, um, Weatherspoons, for example, has taken the decision to delete its entire. Uh, customer database in terms of marketing. Yeah. Now that's, so a, that, that's, that's a, one well, approach. That's a really
1: good one for us to be talking about. What can I do? Well, I run a massive pub chain. I don't need Marjorie from Maidstone's information. I cared about her once. Just get rid of her. And then I can give new consent rules now, can't I, John? Any customer coming into my system now will be given a new plain-to-read consent form. It's beefed-up consent that firms will be asking for.
2: Yeah. A, a, a lot of firms are doing this. Um, I, I think, it's important to to point out there can be a benefit for business here as well Um, you talked about holding records for three years when you don't need it anymore Um, it's kind of basic information hygiene really if that information isn't needed anymore then there's actually a cost to keeping it as well as a potential liability
1: the other word I thought was very important to use is processing, because obviously I can get information quite innocently, but once I start manipulating it, sending it to somebody else... That's a very different matter under this new law, isn't it?
0: Processing's got really quite a broad definition. So um, it covers the collection of data. It covers um, sending that um, individual information. It covers sending that data on to someone else. So processing really does have quite a broad definition. Um, uh,
1: Let let me just say before I ask you, because you've already told me with your eyes, Nina, you want me to talk about marketing. But should we appoint already a data protection officer, even if we're a small firm? Do we need someone who is the data protection officer. And if I'm listening to this and I've got that moniker, am I the one who they come knocking on on the door?
2: Um, Because I'm I'm so interested in this subject that I do it outside work as well. So in a voluntary capacity, I I chair an organisation called the National Association of Data Protection Officers. Um, So I do know a little bit about this subject. In answer to your question, do I need a data protection officer, GDPR does say in certain circumstances it's a mandatory requirement. So all public authorities have to have a data protection officer or DPO. For other organizations, it's largely based on whether they are handling sensitive personal data on a large scale. Um, What that means is largely a matter of degree. Uh, The law's not fully clear on it yet. Uh, My advice is, even if you don't need to appoint a data protection officer as such, certainly have someone responsible within your organisation for considering these issues, for knowing what GDPR is knowing what your obligations are.
1: Yeah, um, and basically if I turn the tables, I'm talking about businesses, but as an individual, if I give you my information, say I gave it to you, a photograph, my CV, my home address, um, and you left it on your desk, you then took it and left it on the bus... I would be very upset if my CV that I'd sent to you, so we can, we can think of it like that. It's good that we're asking to give individuals greater rights, and I can get the stuff off the firm as an individual, can't I? So we'll, we'll come to that. Yes. But I feel the burning matter that you wanted me to discuss, marketing. Now, I know that many people listening, including that person jogging in California— probably has worked in or is the target of marketing so what do you want to say Nina what's the big message for marketing people involved in that business
0: yes yeah, so when we're looking at marketing and in particular looking at unsolicited electronic marketing yes Hate Hate it. everyone hates it. it's intrusive um, so that's communications by email or by um, by SMS and um, you have to have consent uh, in order to to market in that way to individuals Um, And when you come to assess consent, you have to look at the bar for consent uh, under GDPR. And GDPR has done a lot to to raise the bar in respect of consent mechanisms. So you can no longer have pre-ticked opt-in boxes. Uh, You can no longer have opt-out boxes. You can no longer have a mixture of opt-in, opt-out boxes. This is why I've
1: been getting a lot of stuff in my inbox, saying we're going to need your permission to keep sending you our updates, our offers, our travel offers.
0: Right. So there's a couple of things to say there. The first thing is that um, a business that um, has a mailing list and they have already obtained consent from individuals to be on that mailing list, they can continue to market to those individuals provided the consent is compliant with GDPR. So it has to have been an affirmative, positive opt-in by the individual. So one of the
1: messages of this, if anyone who's still listen to us, if, if they've managed, is... Uh, it's beefed up consent
0: that's right but there is a really quite significant carve out which will be particularly uh, relevant for smaller businesses uh, and that's called the soft opt-in and what that means is that um, if you have um, sold a product or service to to an individual uh, you can market similar products and services to that individual uh, provided you've given them the option to, to, to opt out if they want to so if you are a florist you can continue to market your floristry services by email or sms to that individual. Individual, but you can't market um, a new credit business that you so started I
1: began up. the conversation talking about the worldwide shock at how Facebook was flogging data around the place. People were left sickened by it. Uh, John, let's talk about a chilling case, which is that a disgruntled employee at the supermarket chain, Morrison's, took data of 100,000 employees and made it available. And then he was found to be guilty in the courts but Morrison's has a responsibility, we're told, that's being tested by the courts at the moment.
2: Broadly, it is true. Um, this this was a disgruntled employee. He was disgruntled, I understand, because he was running a side business, flogging goods on eBay and using his work postroom to do so, uh, and he got pulled up because of that. Uh, you're correct that he he uh, had access to the full staff database, and he, he effectively purloined that and made it available, A, on the dark web, and then tried to flog it to various media outlets. And
1: the court said that it wasn't just him who was a criminal in this case. The firm had a responsibility.
2: Yeah, so uh, what happened initially was he was prosecuted for data protection offences and, and indeed, for fraud, as I recall. Um, Subsequently, this is where it gets interesting, uh, I think around 5,000 of the employees of Morrison... Uh, Morrison's have brought a claim against the company uh, on the basis that the company was liable because it employed this guy. It was liable for his actions in uh, mishandling their data. So that's that's gone to court. It's still going through the court system. So there is an appeal uh, in October. So it's, it's, it's not entirely clear how it will ultimately settle. But it, I think businesses need to be very aware that there is the potential for group litigation if they mess up with large numbers of, of people's information. Mm.
1: Well, that's a, that's a chilling reminder of, of how it can all go wrong. And what does the GDPR say it will do to firms that are in breach? What's the maximum penalty, Nina?
0: Yes, so so the the penalties have increased um, substantially. So at the moment, the UK regulator, the ICO, can um, fine a company up to £500,000 for for a breach. Um, And the fines have been, the highest, I think, have been around the £400,000 level. And those have been for really quite significant data breaches uh, involving many customers' records. What GDPR says is that the maximum fine will be up to 4% annual global turnover, or €20 million. Euros. Uh, the Data Protection Bill, which is going through Parliament, um, has, has put that at £17 million. Pounds. So we've gone uh, from so
1: £500,000 to £17 million.
0: Potentially, or potentially higher, because it could be up to 4%, 4% of, percent of, of glo- annual, global annual... annual, annual yes. So so right,
1: all Of all the takeaway messages we, we're getting from you, it's buckle up, this is like when the seat belts became compulsory. It's beefing up consent. It's beefing up penalties. It's an EU-wide and, if you trade with the EU, global piece of information. It's not going to be denied to me by Brexit. So we've really got a very great briefing from you. Thank you both very much indeed. You've been listening to the brand-new News Sessions. We've been talking with Nina O'Sullivan, Rea Legal Director and Data Protection Advisor John Rakes.
0: Thank you both very much indeed. The News Sessions, in partnership with Rea. Find more of the News Sessions podcasts dealing with key legal matters on iTunes. The News Sessions is a Jazz FM production for Mishkan Dereya.